Psalm 116 is really one of my favorite psalms. It's one that's it's read and quoted probably less than a lot of others. For a lot of people, it's Psalm 23, because for some people, that's the only one they've ever heard. It's the only one they've ever read, and it's only ever been at church or a funeral. And so that's, you know, that's it. That's the one. Uh, but this one, kind of kind of hidden back to after the back half of the book, is, I think, one that I, I, I just love to come back to quite often, and I think it's one that we need to come to often. So if it's one you're not familiar with today... Change that, okay? Become familiar with it because it, it kind of goes through our heart. So much so that actually we're going to split this in half because it's it's like 20 verses. There are, there are different stages within the Psalms. We're going to look at it this week and next week. We'll look and, and I think that fits with the way that this Psalm is kind of uh, written and outlined in the work. But I want to read to you the whole Psalm first before we, we look at just kind of the first several verses. We don't know who wrote it, by the way. No idea. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary, and when I was brought low, He saved me. Return to rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted, and in my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful saints or servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, Jerusalem. So we don't know who wrote it, but we know a lot about his heart. We know about his life. We know generally some things that he went through. And I think we relate in some ways. I kind of feel like it's it's right that we don't know who wrote it because it's kind of an every person's psalm at some point or another. We are everything in here, aren't we? And at every point in our life, we're, we're somewhere in this psalm at different places. And so you come this morning and I don't know where you are. I mean, I know where you are, but I don't know where you are. Or if you're joining us online, I don't know what's going on in your heart. What's going on in your life? I have no idea. Aren't you glad you don't have to rely on the preacher or an elder or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a neighbor to always know? Because we're human and we just don't always know. Sometimes you guys work really hard for people not to know, you know, and covering things up and hiding struggles and things like that. And we just we don't know. God always knows. 
I shared uh, a while back, and I'm going to share it again because you just do that, don't you? Partly because you can't remember what you shared and partly because some things are worth sharing more than once. But I was, uh, it was on one of the trips to Cambodia. I think it was the second trip uh, to Cambodia. And uh, the first couple of trips, uh, I would go over there and I struggled a lot with the uh, jet lag. I mean, you're, you're, you're completely turned over. Uh, you get there and 12 noon is midnight and vice versa. And so your, your whole rhythm is just completely upside down. Plus, you've been traveling that time. The first time, uh, my trip was 44 to 45 hours each way and just, you know, constant travel and everything else. And then uh, the second time, I think it, I got a, a faster deal and through a different country and it was I cut it down to 36 hours. So I've been traveling for 36 hours, uh, had been there, I think, a day, maybe one full cycle and everything I had not adapted in the least. And I was exhausted and I was tired and I was worn out. It was at a point in ministry. We were still in New York at the time. And it was at a point in that particular ministry where I was just running like crazy. In fact, this particular time, I was organizing a men's retreat in New York and going over there to teach for a couple of weeks and, 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 and to just give you how tight my schedule was, 36 hours of flights and travel and all that stuff through Korea and then uh, back to New York. And then I landed. I went home. I took a shower. I took about a 35-minute nap. I grabbed the other suitcase I had packed before Cambodia and my, my sleeping bag and a pillow and drove two hours out to the summer camp, Christian summer camp, and ran a men's retreat. So that was just, you know, just doing this sort of a thing. Kind of crazy. So in the midst of all that, uh, we're at church. And church, the first Sunday in Cambodia on those trips, uh, had a much better deal this time where I added one extra day before to adapt. And so by Sunday, it was great. Uh, but not then. I, I, I would have a headache as well. And then I sat at church. They sat me up toward the front. And they had a speaker that was about... Take this Lord's Supper. It wasn't really this big, but it felt like it was this big. Probably about half the size of the Lord's Supper table here, uh, but vertical. And about from me to that pulpit from my head. And Cambodians know on and off on sound systems at church. That's what I've noticed. Uh, at least at that one church. I don't think it's everywhere, but at that one church, it's on and it's off and it's all the way up, right? Like just short of blowing your speakers full out. And it's right it's right there, and it's at ear height. I should point out, it's not right there. It's right there, okay? And this thing's whoa, 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 in my ear the whole time, and I'm just struggling. I'm struggling with the headache to stay awake with that speaker. It's hot. And then this guy gets up to lead a prayer. And he gets up, and every, you know, like everywhere, it goes very quiet. And he says, Oh, God, great ear of the universe, hear our prayer. I've never heard in an American church that phrase before, and this is why I brought it up the last time, because I've, just, I've never heard us refer to God as the great ear of the universe. But it kind of just, it, everything melted away at that moment. I didn't care about the speaker. I didn't care about the tiredness. I didn't care about my headache. I didn't care about any of that. All I could think about was how this man had addressed him very humbly, and then his prayer revolved around that idea. God hears us. God, you hear us, you listen, you're always there, and you always hear every 
one of us. And and just from there, uh, all that other stuff just kind of didn't matter anymore. When you realize that God hears, when you realize that God's listening, it's amazing what noise you don't hear anymore and you're not paying attention to anymore. That's why Scripture also says, you know, let me hear your voice above all else, above everything else. We have a devotional song. Let me hear your voice above all the other noise, which is the right way to put it. And that's what we need to do. But he did it first. He hears us first. Look back at these first few verses. Being heard is so important. When you feel like you're not being heard, it doesn't matter who's listening. Well, listening and hearing really kind of messing the words up. But when it doesn't matter who actually like just physically hears your words. When you actually feel heard, it communicates far more than just, did you hear me? It communicates, did you value me? Did you care about me? Are you listening? And the psalmist writes, you know why I love the Lord? He heard. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. He says, I'm going to call on him as long as I live. Why? Because he listens. I'm never going to hold all that back. I'm never going to just sit here overwhelmed in my problems and, and, and sitting in tears and sitting in dust and sitting in my own self-pity party. I'm going to give it to him because I know I can trust him. I know he listens. I know he cares. I know he answers. I know he moves. I know all these things. I'm, I'm not going to waste my time not calling anymore. I'm going to call on the Lord as long as I live because he knew or she knew. We don't know who wrote it because they knew. God was listening, and they knew more than that. Psalmist goes on and says, The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. That sense of being completely overwhelmed. Said earlier, we're all somewhere in this psalm. Maybe this isn't you right now, but it has been or it will be. At some point, we meet challenges that are just bigger than us. And sometimes it's, it's small things. It can just be really insignificant little things that for some reason, around the same time period, maybe it's all related, I have no idea. Around the same time period, I had to go to a funeral and, and needed to put on a tie. Now, this, scared, this honestly scared me a little bit. I go to put on a tie. Now, in New York, like here, Ties, not so much a thing at church anymore. I, there's a time in my life where I was suit and tie every Sunday. When I was a kid, suit, tie, and reversible vest, because it was the 1970s. But, you know, the plaid, reversible vest, man, that was styling. Anyway, now it would look ridiculous, so I won't do it. But I had not tied a tie in a long time. And I go to get ready for this funeral. And for some reason, I don't know, Tanya was doing something. She was somewhere. I have no idea. Uh, but I go to do this tie, and I can't do it. And I'm a double knot Windsor with a with a dimple kind of a you know like I my grandfather taught me how to do that. It's 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 advanced complex tirey knotting, okay. And I go to try to do this thing, and I can't do it. So good grief, why can't I tie a tie? And so I'm I'm sitting there, and you know like I'm talking ten, twelve times. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? 
So I go in there to the mirror and I'm trying to tie this tie and none of it's working. So then I said, okay, I'll go back to simpler times. When I was a kid, I learned how to do the single knot when I was, which is, you know, kind of lopsided, but it works. And, I, and that's what you see the most. Uh, and so I went and I, I was going to do a single knot. I learned how to do that myself from the Boy Scout handbook when I was in Cub Scouts. And so I, I said, that's got to still be muscle memory, right? Oh, no, no. I kept coming out with this dumb looking tie that looked like I was Oliver Hardy. You know what I'm talking about? Where he wears it up here, but his pants are down here. And how are his pants down here, but his belly's still down there? I don't understand how that worked, but it was a different time. But my tie just, I, and by the time it's all over, I'm sitting there. I'm like tired, physically tired from all of this. And I'm overwhelmed and I'm thinking, Lord, have I had a stroke? And, not, and I wasn't kidding as a joke. I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is going on? And I just had to stop. At that point, I was nervous. Something it was could be medical, you know. And I was thinking, something's just not right. I stopped. I prayed about it. Took a deep breath. Called on the name of the Lord for minor things. And fixed my tie. Okay? And finally got it. And boy, you talk about a relief. Sometimes even like dumb things like a tie knot, they become overwhelming. As you as you age, there are age-related things. There are medical-related things that make that happen even more. You know why they're a cranky old men? They tried to tie that knot. That's what happened for the first time in 10 years, and they couldn't do it. That's what happens. But it's because of, often, struggle. A sense of being overwhelmed. Why do teenagers struggle the way they do just to get past nothing? Oh, come on, you always say nothing. Tell me more. No, nothing. It's because inside sometimes there is an inner... You remember what that was like? There's that inner war going on. You're trying to figure yourself out. You feel you feel everything like in technicolor as a teenager, don't you? doesn't matter if it's joy, sadness, anger, frustration, excitement. Everything is just more. And that gets overwhelming. And so you get... You also get agitated more. You know, mom says, how was your day? Why are you asking me how my day? You know, just you even drop words when you say it, right? You get aggravated because you're overwhelmed. We throw so much at people at that time of their lives. We always tell them, relax, have fun. You'll never have a time like this in your life. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Like in the same conversation, we put all this pressure, you know, did you qualify for that scholarship? Are you going to get this? Are you going to get that? And we say, but relax and enjoy it because it's the best time of your life, which isn't true, by the way. All teenagers, you know what I want you to know? It's not the best time of your life. It's a great time in your life, but it's challenging. But I would never tell a teenager this is the best time of your life, so enjoy it. What are you telling them about life? What sense of hope are you giving a person at that point? And on top of that, unless you're just doing life wrong, you're lying. Because you will know God more greatly later in your life. And if that doesn't make it better, you're doing it wrong. If being a teenager is better than the day you hold your child the first time in the hospital, you're doing it wrong. And don't do those things at the same time. Preacher warning, okay? So I do those things at the same time. But it does happen. And when it does, there is grace. Know that there is more ahead for you. If you are 75, 
and you're thinking right now, yeah, but my best times are in the past, you're doing it wrong. If you think God can't bring greater, still, believe more deeply. If it's because you're overwhelmed, well, I get that. If it's because you're sitting there, yeah, but I've got this and 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 I'm being tested for this and this and this and this. I get that. But is your God greater or lesser than this, this or this? He's greater, isn't he? Yeah, but I'll never be able to do this again. God's greater than whatever that this was. Put anything in that blank. God is greater. His peace is greater. His care is greater. Somebody is about to know what we're talking about. Did y'all hear the siren? Somebody prayed for whoever, whatever that is. They need this. God hears we become and we take onto our identity what our overwhelming circumstances are. Sometimes we even call ourselves by whatever that struggle is. We identify with that. I am put in the blank. Whether that's sin, struggle, health, we say, well, you know, I am a. That's a sign you're overwhelmed by it because you've taken it on as your identity. Give it to God. Let him have it. This person describes it as the cords of death entangled me. Don't know what it is. Circumstances, enemies coming down hard on him, family falling apart, disease, literally things wrapped around his neck. Very similar to this phrasing is Jonah's prayer from the bottom of the sea. When Jonah prays to the Lord at the bottom of the sea, later he writes down what he prayed. And he says, the cords of death, the seaweed, was tangled around my neck. He says, and I cried out to you. Very similar wording. Go back, go back and look at Jonah sometime today and check that out. It's kind of cool that it's so similar. It feels that way, that the this, whatever this is, is going to just choke the life right out of you until, O oh Lord, save our Father, great ear of the universe, hear our prayer. Psalm 61, hear my cry, O Lord, attend unto my prayer. Then I cried the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, save me. And you know what happened. He goes on. The Lord is gracious. He just goes into his, a moment of praise. Now, bolded the words he uses to talk about what God is or what God has done. The Lord is gracious to righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. And when I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death. 
my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. You know the best part about this psalm? It's not theory. God answered, and he found peace. Be at rest once more, my soul. So, you may be wondering, what does that have to do with a kayak on an old Chrysler? I think it's a good question. Why is that picture there? Why do I have an old Chrysler at a lake? Because this is kind of my happy place. When we lived in Troy, well, about 20 minutes from our house is a place called Dunham Reservoir. Dunham Reservoir is a no-motor lake in a state park out in right between uh, the capital of New York and Vermont. That's kind of the sweet spot of God country sort of stuff, right? The, the views, the mountains, the streams, the lakes, awesome. And not only that, but you can go to this lake at June and it might be 67 degrees. <laughs> Wouldn't you like that today? So that became kind of my happy place. Now, this is in the fall, and I would go out there. This was my, that's my Dave Ramsey Chrysler, Fifth Avenue. Great car. I missed that car. I don't miss the kayak. It's in my shed, but I missed the car. I'd go out to this place 15 minutes. I could get up at 5.30 in the morning, be out there at 6-something real easy after putting the kayak on the car and go out there. And even if all I spent was an hour tootling around the lake, I could be back home and back to whatever I had to do, 9 o'clock. I loved that. That was wonderful because you could do that in the midst of a hard time. And why am I saying that? Well, because you're just bragging about cooler weather and a kayak. No. Why am I saying that? Because I want to challenge you all. I'm kind of challenging myself because I haven't replaced this spot in 10 years yet. I want to challenge you all. Find a place you're at rest. If it's just a thing you can, you know, get in the car and go 15 minutes and be there, find a place at rest. It may be in the corner of your backyard. It may be right there in your house. Find a place. I would go to this place because, you know, sometimes there were other people out there paddling, but that was more unusual. Most of the time it was me, a couple of blue herons. Maybe a beaver, and one, including one that got mad at me for swimming too close to the dam and slapped at me with his tail. That was actually pretty cool, I thought. Trout that were the best at ignoring hooks and things. It was amazing. But that wasn't actually what really made it for me. It was the peace and the quiet. I mentioned it was a no-motor lake. So if there was anybody, they're just out there paddling around. Just God's creation. Find a place. And then hear his words. Whatever it is, you need to give over to him. Give it over to him. Life is too busy. It's too frustrating. It's too loud. Do not, if you get out on a kayak on a lake, do not be on your phone answering text and posting to Facebook. Go and be with the Lord. A lot of farmers will tell you that's what the tractor's for. I've known many who said that's what the tractor's for. At one time in my life, it was what a commute was for. I had a 20-minute commute on the interstate. I loved that 20 minutes, and it took me for a while after I moved that time. That was back when, when I was in, in AIM. Moved back to Texas, lost my commute. 
didn't need a commute in Lubbock. And I lost it, and I missed that time. And it may be that for you. Don't let interruptions take that from you. So easy to let your phone take that all away from you. Do not do it. Learn do not disturb. Learn where your silence button is. Put it in the kitchen drawer and walk outside if you have to. Find peace and quiet. That seems incredibly practical, and it is, but it's also godly. Satan will try to find every distraction in the world to keep you from crying out. And sometimes it'll just be little dumb stuff. It'll just be it. You're sitting there trying to pray and you hear, what do you do? You go check the ding. Well, that's a ding dong does that. Go back and pray. Go back and pray. Find times, find places that are all about being at rest. The psalmist had to tell himself, be at rest, my soul. Why? Because our souls have a way of not, not staying there, don't they? So he had to remind himself, remind yourself. Because this is the God that will find you when you cry out to him and say, Lord, save me. Gracious, righteous, full of compassion, protective. He saves you. He delivers you. But only when you seek him. When you seek him, you do indeed find him. I forgot there wasn't another slide. See, I told you I split it in half. I promised I would split it in half. I want to look at that. Uh, Psalm 61, one more time, at those verses. And Jesse, would you mind, can you skip back to that? There's a please built in there. Let me read the text, and then we'll, we'll sing that here in a second. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. This one is from David, by the way. From the ends of the earth, I call to you, I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We need a God who is greater. We have a God who is greater. We need a God who can speak peace to chaos. And we have a God who speaks peace to chaos. We need a God who can speak strength to weakness, and we have a God who speaks strength to weakness. In fact, Paul says that his strength is perfected in our weakness. So why would you not call on it? 